Oh, friends, it is uh, great to be here, a real uh, privilege to be here with you this morning. And if you've got your Bible there, I encourage you to please keep it open at John 6. We're going to work our way through that passage together that was so excellently read for us. Uh, I'd really like to pray before we hear from God's Word together. So could we do that together? Let's, uh, let's talk to our God. Our Father in Heaven, we want to give you thanks that we can be here together this morning. And we thank you that you're a good God who speaks to us who has spoken clearly to us in your Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray that our hearts might be turned to him now, that we might delight in the things that he said, that we might come and believe in him, that we might rest in the knowledge that we have eternal life. Would you speak to us this morning, we pray, and would you help me to speak in a way that is faithful and clear and interesting, for we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When life gets busy, we look for shortcuts, simple and convenient, easy options, fast solutions, quick fixes. And one of the first things that we tend to compromise is our diet. We cut corners and we start looking for discount vouchers. We relax by watching TV shows where people do all the hard work of preparing meals. Can you believe that MasterChef has just finished its 14th season? You know, it's easier to grab a bite to eat on the run than it is to actually go for a run. It's more convenient to drive through than to plan and prepare a meal. Did somebody say KFC? Did somebody say menu log? Uber Eats and Deliveroo make it easier to eat more conveniently. 57% of Australians eat fast food once a week. Now, I won't tell you how often I do it, but all I can tell you is that my shirt's fourth button is under a lot of pressure this morning. (laughs) Australians spend $90 a month on fast food and takeaway. That's 32% of the weekly food budget on fast food. According to the industry research reports, it's a decision that's driven by price, convenience and comfort. Maccas, KFC, Subway, Hungry Jacks and Domino's round out the national top five favourite fast food restaurants. But, you know, diets aren't the only place where we go looking for shortcuts, are they? In a fast-paced and uncertain world, we settle for easy option Christianity. Instead of doing the hard work of true discipleship, the slow and difficult work of following the crucified Jesus, we look for discounted disciple options, simple and convenient, easy options, fast solutions, quick fixes. Church becomes more about attending events rather than authentic change and deep transformation within us. Church becomes about measurable metrics, tracking attendance and giving as signs of spiritual health. Rather than modelling and leading others, churches can sometimes get lost in the busyness of running a business. The weekly grind of putting on weekly attractions just so that people might turn up. Preaching, planning and programming are all necessary tasks, but tasks alone are incomplete to grow the church and to grow God's people. Many churches reduce their discipleship strategies to this five-fold approach. Show up on Sunday, read your Bible, pray, give, repeat. And after 30 years or so of doing this, it's hoped that you might somehow look and act a little bit more like Jesus. But most people don't feel changed, they just feel older and perhaps a little bit more cynical. So if you're feeling old and a little bit cynical here this morning, unmoved rather than unchanged, I want you to hear these words from Jesus again. John chapter 6, verse 35. Listen to what he says. 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's just chew over these morsels together, digest them, let them feed your starving soul here this morning. Listen to them again. Whoever comes shall never go hungry, and whoever believes shall never thirst. Whoever comes is the most open invitation there could possibly be. Whoever is not an exclusive invitation, whoever includes everybody who hears it. So there's no restrictions here, friends, no limits to the number of whoever's who might come. They just need to come to him. They just need to believe in him. This is the invitation to all you can eat. I am the bread of life, says Jesus. If you hunger and thirst... Jesus says, come. His invitation is to you, whoever you are, whoever you happen to be. Come, but never go hungry. Come with hunger, leave with contentment. Is that the Jesus that you know? Or have you settled for a simpler and easier option? We're looking at Jesus' I am statement in chapter 6 of John's Gospel and it all starts with Jesus clearing up some confusion. But this confusion only leads to, well, more confusion so that now everyone is confused by all of this confusion which in itself is very confusing. See the confusion for yourself with me there in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. The they that found him on the other side are the crowd that Jesus has just fed on the mountain. Five loaves of bread and two small fish, Jesus fed 5,000 very satisfied customers. And now the crowd is hungry for more. And so they come looking for Jesus. But Jesus knows what it is that they're looking for. They seek only after what he can give them. They don't seek him for who he is. They don't understand the sign. And so Jesus tells them what to look for instead. Verse 27, see it there. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. But instead of asking who the Son of Man is... They ask, what works should they be doing? Listen carefully to Jesus' reply, verse 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's it. That's the one thing. This is the work that we need to do. Believe in the one he has sent If you've got your own Bible here, you might want to highlight that. That's a pretty important verse. Although it's it's complicated to do, it never gets any more complicated than this. This is everything that we need to do ever. This is what God wants from us, what he wants us to do. In every moment, at every point, in all circumstances, believe in the one that he has sent. Honestly, friends, we could end the sermon right here and call it a Sunday and head off to McDonald's together. But the crown asked Jesus another question. It's there in verse 30. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you, they ask? 
Having just asked Jesus what works they should do, they ask him what works he's now going to do. Now, just so there's no confusion about this, just so all of us are very clear here, these are the same people who just ate bread. Jesus just fed them on the mountain. Moses fed our fathers bread in the wilderness, they said. They ate the bread from heaven. So what trick are you going to perform for us, Jesus? What work are you going to do? But already they're wrong, aren't they? Because it wasn't Moses who fed them bread in the desert. It was God who fed his people in the wilderness. God who gave them bread from heaven. But they don't want Jesus. They only want what Jesus can do for them. To the hungry crowd searching for Jesus, who only want what Jesus can give them, for a people who've just asked for a sign and even quoted the Old Testament at him, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You see, the bread that God gives is he. Look closely there, verse 33. He is the one who comes down from heaven. He is the one who gives life to the world. But still the crowd don't understand. Sir, give us this bread always. Give us this bread again and again. Can we get this stuff home delivered? But the bread of God that gives life isn't given repeatedly, friends. It serves up by, it's served up by God one time only. Look there, verse 35. <coughs> Pardon me, please. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever comes to Jesus never goes hungry. Whoever believes in him never thirsts. Sent by God, this is what Jesus came to do. He comes to give life. I am the bread of life. And that is exactly what Jesus gives. He gives eternal life by giving his life. And he raises us up on the last day. But still they don't understand. And so now they start to grumble about him. Jesus told them where he came from, but they didn't like what he said. They thought they knew better. See it there, verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Disorientated about Jesus' state of origin, they start complaining about his presence now. But they miss the bit about the bread. They only hear the bit about he came down from heaven. And that's the bit they start complaining about. Jesus' origins are now in question. Where is it that Jesus really came from, they ask? Which is really fascinating because if they really knew his father and mother, if they really knew the backstory on Joseph and Mary... Well, let's just say that people have always questioned where it is that Jesus came from. But while they question his origins, their response to him clearly reveals their own origins. Our behaviour always reveals our family likeness. It's how we know who it is that we truly belong to. I mean, these guys mentioned the wilderness first and the problem with grumbling, especially about God, and it's now all just starting to sound the same in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. Let's see it together. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, 
Would we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill those, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. In the Old Testament, the people were hungry. So they grumbled against Moses and they grumbled against God. They grumbled about the bread from heaven, bread that rained down from them from, the, from, the, from heaven in the desert. And here they are, they're hungry again. And so the people, they grumble again. You see, like father, like son. But their fathers didn't like the father and their sons don't like the son. They grumble about him, they grumble about the bread that come, came down from heaven. But Jesus says to them, whoever comes to me, everyone who believes in him has eternal life. They come because the Father draws them. You see, Jesus isn't like the bread that was in the wilderness. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. All who ate the bread in the wilderness died, says Jesus. But the bread that he gives, gives life forever. Jesus says the bread that he gives to eat is his flesh. <coughs> Pardon me. In the first church that I served in as a minister, there was an older woman in the congregation there named Annette. On more than one occasion, about halfway through one of my sermons, shaking her head in obvious disapproval at me, Annette would stand up out of her seat and walk out the door. But she never went home. She just waited outside for the church to finish, only to come back in and to shake my hand with everybody else. After this happened several times, I eventually asked Annette what the problem was. She exploded at me. Jesus is in a pot roast, she said. I was even more confused now. You call Jesus the Lamb of God, but I think of, when I think of a lamb, I think of a roast. Jesus isn't a roast. No, Annette, Jesus isn't a roast. I tried to explain to her what a metaphor was, but it was like talking to a brick wall. At what point, friends, do you reckon the Jews confused metaphoric and literal interpretations? Well, if it wasn't about the bread in verse 34, they're now waiting outside with a net in verse 52. The Jews then dis disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Is Jesus really saying you need to eat him? Is Jesus actually suggesting cannibalism here? Can you believe that this is even a conversation? Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven. Do they think that Jesus was a talking baguette who'd come to talk about his baker's delight in him? So far, his teaching hasn't cut the mustard with them. Cut the mustard. Maybe they think he's a roast beef sandwich. Jesus isn't literally being literal. What he's saying here is of eternal significance. Jesus gives his flesh and blood for the life of the world. He came down from heaven to give his life, to give life. And Jesus invites us to come and to feed on him. Notice all the whoever's here. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood 
abides in me. Verse 57, whoever feeds on me will live because of me. Verse 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. But we've already seen Jesus' use of whoever's, haven't we? Verse 35, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Verse 35, whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Verse 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Eating and drinking is the same as coming and believing. All these verbs share the same promise. And that is that Jesus is extending an open invitation to everyone, whoever they are, to come and eternally be satisfied in him. But it's not just one person in the crowd now shaking their heads and waiting outside the door. Look there with me, verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Maybe it's hard because they don't understand or maybe it's hard because they do. Either way, it's no longer the crowd who grumble, but it's his disciples who now grumble against him. If you think this is controversial teaching, if you're offended by the things that Jesus says here, if you're hard of hearing or it's just hard to hear, Jesus says, this is nothing. Look at verse 61. Do you take offence at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Jesus' words, friends, they are spirit and they are life. But Jesus knew from the beginning that some of them would not believe in him. Only those drawn by the Father come. Those who come never get turned away. He knew from the beginning that one would betray him, that one of them was the devil. Jesus was with the Father from the very beginning. He ascended again to where he was before. And John's already told us this in his gospel. John chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Jesus said he came down from heaven. He said he was sent by the Father. He knew from the very beginning because he was there at the very beginning. But all of this is too much for many. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. It is a harsh reality of true discipleship, friends, that not everyone who starts on the road with you will finish it. Are you okay with that? Are you okay if people leave? Are you okay if people turn back and don't follow anymore? Jesus invites whoever to come to him and believe in him, but many will turn back and no longer walk with him. See, our culture has conditioned us to think that ministry is only successful when more people come and when they stay. All we need is the right programs and the right pathways and the right events. But friends, successful gospel ministry is when more people look less like themselves and more like Jesus. Successful gospel ministry is when more people look less like themselves and more like Jesus.
when we accept Jesus' invitation to come and believe in him, we will find our satisfaction is only found in him. There is really nowhere else we can go. Verse 67, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Friends, all I want to do this morning with you is for us to consider afresh this very warm invitation of Jesus that comes straight out of the oven. It is an invitation to whoever, whoever, whoever you are, whoever would come. Whoever is a word that is inclusive of everyone, Jesus even says the word everyone. So whether you're part of the crowd or one of his disciples, whoever you are means you qualify as a whoever. And so Jesus invites you to come to him, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus extends an open invitation to come and believe. An open invitation to eat and to drink. A lasting invitation to come and never go hungry. A long-standing invitation to believe and to never thirst. Invitations to a meal are more than just an opportunity to eat. An invitation to a meal with somebody is an invitation to a deeper relationship. If anyone ever invites you for a meal with them, make sure that you say yes, because relationships transform us. They change our, our tastes and our desires and our longings and our satisfactions. A relationship with Jesus not only offers eternal life, but a relationship with Jesus offers us life right now. So when we come, we never go hungry. And when we believe, we never thirst. See, this isn't just another invitation to hold a certain doctrine or a philosophy or a creed or a philosophy or a worldview. So often we confuse knowing God with knowing things about God. It is a mistake to think understanding and defending the truth is the same thing as knowing who the truth is. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's an invitation to know someone. He is the one who came down from heaven. He is the one who gives his life for the world. He is the living bread that came from heaven and Jesus invites us to come to him. And so this morning, I just want you to hear the invitation. No matter where you are, no matter where you are with Jesus, he invites you to come. He invites you to trust, to believe in him. In a world of restrictions and limitations and supply chain issues, Jesus is still handing out invitations. He is everything that I am not and I am in need of everything that he is. In every situation, at every moment, in all circumstances, you are invited to come and believe in the bread of life. This is the hard work of true discipleship. It is the slow and difficult work of following a crucified Christ. You see, he not only has the words of eternal life, but he possesses the words of life right now. Seriously, 
where else do we have to go? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, in a room this size, it's hard to know what's going on in each other's lives in any real and deep sense. And yet you know us so intimately, so personally, you even know the very number of hairs that are on our head. So whatever concerns us, whatever trouble we've brought with us in our hearts through the door this morning, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in at home or at work or just in life in general, we pray this morning that we might hear your invitation to come and to believe in the one that you sent. Would you help us to find our satisfaction in him when life is so desperately unsatisfying? In fact, Lord Jesus, would you help us to gain a taste for what it is that you offer and to find no satisfaction in anything else but you? So we thank you for the opportunity to hear your invitation this morning to come and believe in the one that you've sent. Help us to do this, we pray, rather than to settle for quick fixes and simple solutions and fast answers. Help us instead to come and to believe in him, for we have nowhere else to go. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.